This is Tommy Bowman, co-founding pastor of Mission Church in the suburbs of Chicago. And together we are answering this decade-long question of mine. What happens when attractional, communal, and missional church come together for movement? This is Redefining Church. Well, hey guys, this is Tommy Bowman. Welcome to episode four of the Redefining Church podcast. This is my first episode since the initial launch last week of episodes one, two, and three. I am so grateful for the feedback that you guys have been giving me. Thank you for the reviews and the ratings that you have been leaving on Google and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please keep that up. That would mean the world to me if you would go on the platform that you listen, if you would rate, if you would review, if you would subscribe. That would mean a lot. So thank you guys so much for making the launch of this podcast a success. Remember, we're asking this Redefining Church question. What happens when attractional, communal, and missional church come together for movement? Uh, episode one, we talked about the idea of means or end, right? Are the ministries and strategies, are they the means to the end of a movement of Jesus or have your means become the end? And then in the second episode, we ask, wh- why does this happen? That's because of every pastor's best kept secret, right? We want to be needed. And I know we want to be needed because I'm one of you. But in our churches, are we creating church-dependent followers of Jesus or Holy Spirit-dependent followers of Jesus? And of course, in episode three, we asked the question, if your church was a ship, what would it be? Would it be a cruise ship, all things to all people at all times? Would it be a battleship, which is this collective experience going in the right direction, but still dependent on the church and on the leaders of the church? Or are you an aircraft carrier church? An aircraft carrier kind of church, the end game there is if someone were to walk in the doors of an aircraft carrier church and engage in that church, their end game would be that the mission of that church becomes the mission of their life. Meaning, in the case of our church, Mission Church, our mission is helping people find and follow Christ. And we want to commission people to go and help people find and follow Christ, right? Here's what I want to talk about today. People's journey with faith goes through stages, right? There are different stages that we experience in our walk with Jesus and in the context of the local church. We cannot help people take an intentional step if we don't help them understand where they are, right? There has never been a point B that didn't first have a point A. And the reason that I think this conversation is really important is we have set up our churches in such a way that people continue to bump into the wall. I mean, perpetually bump into the wall. And so I want to tell you where this wall is, because I actually discovered the wall in my journey of faith. And in an attempt to help lead people through the wall, over the wall, around the wall, I discovered what it was, where people experience it, and how to get around it. And in this redefining church question that we're asking, you cannot move your people towards a movement of Jesus if you first don't help them identify where they're at, where they're going to get stuck, and how to get through it. So to first answer, where are people in your church? Let me just talk to you through these four phases. Remember, I didn't go to seminary. There's probably 50 phases that people experience in their 
followership of Jesus and in their faith, but I'm a simpler type of person. And so I boiled it down to the core four. Here's the four stages that people experience as they walk with Jesus. The first stage I would call explore, okay? An explorer is someone who is open to and exploring the truth of Jesus Christ, right? We're talking about blending all three types of church, attractional, communal, and missional church all together. Hopefully, you have attractive parts of your church that attract explorers, right? Uh, It doesn't have to be great music and fog machines. Like It could be, but it doesn't have to be that. You just need to have attractive parts of your church that attract explorers, people who might be exploring spiritual questions. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, If you are trying to reach a Catholic context, you better have an outstanding strategy for kids and families. Why? Because the research and data show that the number one motivation for the Catholic context is their kids and their kids' faith. That is an attractive part of your church that you can add as a value. You can, you can create that as a value add to your community to attract people to who Jesus is. I am a raving fan of Alpha in the Alpha course uh, out of London. It is the most evangelistic tool I've ever seen in the local church. Um, start running Alpha to help attract explorers. I think we at Mission Church put on one of the most, the best Alpha experiences uh, in the country, and I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on our team, uh, Dan, Ruda, and my wife who helps. If you want help getting started running the Alpha course, just email me. My contact information is in the show notes. I think a lot of churches, right, you listening, I think you guys have figured this out. I think you're doing a good job reaching explorers because Andy Stanley and his team, they did the legwork 20 years ago on this, right? They created churches that unchurched people love to attend. So you're probably doing just fine attracting explorers to your church. If you're not, and that's a totally different ballgame, and that's you got other problems that you need to solve, but you're probably you probably have some level of explorers in your church. Uh, so that's that, that's explorer. Second stage that people are in is believer, right? I'll call a believer an individual who proclaims their faith and may be growing in their faith in Jesus Christ. Notice I didn't say they are growing. I said they may be growing. This is safely a majority of the makeup of our churches. Um, And under believer, I'd say that there's two types of believer. There's both the passive believer and the active believer. Passive believer, how often they attend, what they give, uh, where and if they serve, that was all determined quite some time ago. And there ain't nothing you as the leader can do (laughs) to change that. And as I talk about the passive uh, believer, there are people in your church that you're uh, thinking of. Uh, Then there's active uh, believers. We tend to see active believers really show themselves at the beginning stages of their faith, right? They're, I like to think of them as like the, the hungry, hungry hippo game that you put an opportunity out there and they're going to take it. And, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? They just can't get enough. They're the first to sign up and do anything and everything. Here's the important thing to note about the believer. And here is why I said a second ago, this is safely the majority of our churches, okay, the believer. It is because in the believer stage, this is where they hit the wall. And I told you I was introduced to the wall when I hit it. What is the wall? 
The wall is a concept that an author by the name of Janet Hagberg, she wrote about the wall in the context of faith in the local church way back in 1995. And I find this concept to be incredibly true to this day. In this book, she has six stages. Uh, I, I boiled it down to four. But here is the critical part on this episode that you need to hear. When someone becomes a believer, especially in the American church context, what is known as the productive spiritual life begins to blossom, where all of the external life is firing rapidly, but the internal spiritual life has not quite awoken yet. And so all the what, where, and how questions are being answered for, for these believers, but not many of the why questions. So where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? When do you want me to do it? They get all those answers and that keeps them kind of buzzing in their spiritual life. But we as the church do not answer for them the why those productive spiritual life things are important. And so here's what happens. The wall is experienced because people get stuck in their faith, right? The doing and the doing begins to no longer deeply fulfill them, right? That, that doing, that productive stuff, it runs out. And then they do what every human instinctively does. They begin to ask inner self questions. And here's where the problem arises. Without people being equipped with how to apply the gospel to every part of their life, believers fade. And sometimes they fade fast. And sometimes you never see them again in your church. And I bet you can think of countless stories where someone came to faith, they lived this very spiritual, productive life, they signed up for everything, they did everything, and then just kind of out of nowhere, you never saw them again. That would be true in our church as well. But people are saved by the gospel and have no idea how to live the gospel and apply the gospel to their lives. And thus, they never clear the wall. And the tragic thing about this is they never experience this next stage of faith. So stage one, explorer. Stage two, believer. Stage three would be follower, okay? I would consider a follower, um, a committed follower of Jesus who is making the ways of Jesus increasingly true of their life. In this stage, and this is a stage we really want people to get to, in this stage, a much deeper purpose is found as people follow Jesus. In this stage, people's foundations shift away from their activity and now are grounded in their true identity of who Christ has created them to be, who they are, right? Because of who God is. In any and all activity, it doesn't stop. It just now flows from a true identity. Also, in this stage, an appropriate perspective of church is formed. Followers of Jesus, they still hold pastors and church leaders accountable, and they should. That is a good thing. But they stop believing pastors and church leaders, you and I, to be holy and perfect. This is important because of what we talked about in episode two. People's dependency needs to shift away from the church and the leaders of the church and onto the Holy Spirit who is guiding and directing their lives. So we have gone over explore, we have gone over believer in the wall that they typically experience so that they can get to the third stage, which is follower, so that they can get to this final stage, multiplier, okay? A multiplier is someone who is multiplying what is true of their life 
into the lives of others. Multipliers don't need you anymore, church leader. Multipliers do not need you anymore, pastor. And this is a very good thing. Why? Because all they need is Christ. And all they're dependent on is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Multipliers are carriers of your vision. And chances are, if you don't have multipliers, it's because you have not compelled multipliers to become multipliers because your vision as a church for them and your church at large just isn't compelling enough. Multipliers take your mission statement and they apply it to their life. So like I said earlier, in the case of us helping people find and follow Christ, a multiplier would say, yeah, I attend a church that helps people find and follow Christ, but I now help people find and follow Christ. Another thing a multiplier would say is, "Um, yeah, I'll leverage the local church to help people find and follow Christ at times. And at other times, I may not leverage the local church. Why? Because they're not dependent on the local church. They desire to be a part of it, but they're not dependent upon it. And in their effort to multiply what's true of their life into others, sometimes they'll leverage the local church in your gatherings, and sometimes they'll completely be dependent on the Holy Spirit in their own neighborhood or network to help people find and follow Christ. And so, church leader, the reason that I wanted to go through these four spiritual stages is because hopefully you had some light bulbs as to why you have so many people stuck and maybe why you've seen some people fade. And so, some questions that I want to ask you in closing for you to just ponder and even pray about. First is, what is the breakdown of your church? You know, do you truly know what stage your people are at. Where do you have too many? And maybe where do you have too few? Uh, Another question is, what is the actual plan to move people through these phases, specifically through this wall? And, you know, don't say, oh, it's that discipleship plan that we have that only 10 people have ever heard of. I mean, what is your actual plan, your strategy to redefine church. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, man, what if this shelter in place season, and now for some of us, it's coming to a close. What if it is a tremendous gift for us to redefine church and change the end game and the means no longer being the end, but now the means lead to an end, that being one of movement, where we are equipping the people who come to our church and trust us to lead them to be multipliers of people who follow Jesus and then multiply what is true of their life into the lives of their neighborhoods and networks. Imagine if we redefined church in that way as we came back from this early season of 2020. Could you imagine that? As always, I really appreciate you guys listening. If you have found this helpful today, please share this with a leader that you know that could benefit from it. A little teaser I'll give you. Episode five is all about small groups and why we no longer do them at our church. Don't forget, we're answering the question on this journey. What happens if attractional, communal, and missional church came together for movement? My name is Tommy Bowman. It's an honor to be your host, and this is Redefining Church.